I'm Rebecca Kling, and this is The Land I Trust, stories from the front lines about the fight for clean energy. Victor Guzman never expected to find himself in handcuffs. He was a law-abiding citizen, a father, and he loved his home of Puerto Rico. I was arrested on November 21st, 2016, along with 20 other people. I actually thought I'd be more nervous when I got arrested, but I wasn't. But it was his intense pride and love for this beautiful island that led him to this very moment. They took us into a police van, and when we were there, we saw the ash trucks driving by, entering the dump. 300 policemen at the entrance of town. Helicopters, police dogs, 20 motorcycles. They were trying to impose themselves, and I think the fact that people were not afraid of the government was a powerful message. Here I am, arrest me. There were colleagues who got arrested four or five times. In the early 2000s, a huge multinational power company built a coal plant in a community not far from his own. While the plant powered almost 17% of the island, it also created toxic byproduct coal ash. Over the years, two million tons of coal ash were generated and dumped across the island in a dozen different municipalities. The dumping was often overlooked, condoned, and even protected by the government of Puerto Rico. The ashes have a lot of toxic elements and are dangerous. Arsenic, mercury, radioactive material, almost an entire periodic table. Coal ash residue is dangerous. It can leach into groundwater and soil. Breathing the dust can cause respiratory issues. And exposure to its chemicals have been linked to multiple kinds of cancer. In the years since the plant opened, residents in the surrounding communities had become more and more aware of these dangers. The wind could carry the ash into their homes. Water could be contaminated through rain and runoff. So when trucks full of coal ash drove from the power plant into the community of Penanuelas to dispose of toxic waste in local dumps, residents were outraged, including Victor Guzman. So he started organizing, bringing community leaders and local environmental groups together to try and stop the dumping. He felt he was making an impact, educating people and rallying them to the cause. Until one moment when he feared that those same strategies might be putting the vulnerable communities he was fighting for at even greater risk. Well, my name is Victor Alvarado Guzman. I live in Salinas, Puerto Rico. I'm part of an environmental organization called Committee of Environment Dialogue, based here in Salinas. Part of our work has been around environmental campaigns, around community organizing, fighting against the AES carbon plant, the ash deposits in Puerto Rico. We were also involved in that. In fact, I was arrested as part of that effort. We've always had that intention when it comes to living in a community as well as in our work, of working directly with the community to improve the quality of life. In 2002, Puerto Rico began to produce coal-based energy. One of the questions that was always raised was what to do with the ashes, because, you know, in a coal plant, you burn coal to produce energy, but that creates waste. Here, they threw ash everywhere, and the ashes, the wind blows constantly and carries them into the communities near the plant. 
So then they start taking the ashes to the local landfill, and people in the community rose up. At one point, I was scared about how things were escalating. Trucks with ashes kept going towards the dump. People in the community started to... Some, though not everyone, but some started to throw rocks at the trucks. The truck drivers were complaining. In fact, the truck drivers made threats to community members. Some truck drivers would drive by showing their weapons. They had weapons. They would put them against the glass so people would see them. They showed them off. They, they were armed. Then at one point, since people were not afraid about that and continued with the aggression, we learned that the truck drivers had with them people with these gotcha guns that shoot pellets. And they started shooting at the people in the community. And so at that moment, I was afraid. I think it was the only time I was afraid because I knew someone was going to die. But I didn't know on which side. And I, I had an epiphany, and I spoke with a priest friend of mine, well-known here in Puerto Rico, Padre Pedro. I told him, Padre Pedro, I have this fear. And Padre Pedro helped us so much because what we did was we used, we used different churches to help break up the tension. Other priests and clergy members from other churches joined us to host activities, public calls, and that helped a bit to ease the tensions around what was happening. So, yes, I was afraid. Por un lado, bien sacrificado. On the one hand, it's very self-sacrificing because one takes it personally, because it is personal. I mean, I want my son to have a better world than we do, environmentally speaking. So one is plugged in on the struggle pretty much all day. But the wonderful thing, I think the positive thing, is when all that strategy, all the organizing unfolds as you planned. And the most important thing for me is knowing that all the effort we are putting into this is so that our, my son, our children, our grandchildren, the future of Puerto Rico, are able to have a clean environment in Puerto Rico, which right now we do not have. It is something very important and very exciting for me. For me personally, I, I am really moved when I see that. That was Victor Alvarado Guzman from Salinas, Puerto Rico. Earlier this year, the governor of Puerto Rico, Wanda Vasquez Garced, signed into law a bill that prohibits the deposit or disposal of toxic coal ash on land, roads, landfills, or water in Puerto Rico. This finally closed a loophole that had been allowing dumping to continue even after a similar provision had been passed in 2017. The Land I Trust is hosted by me, Rebecca Kling. This episode was produced by Virginia Laura, with Adil Trehan and Jeff Shaw at the Sierra Club, and Josephine Holtzman and Isaac Kestenbaum of Future Projects Media. This episode was mixed by Merritt Jacob. Music by Jeff Brodsky. Find us on all your favorite podcast platforms, and follow the series on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook by searching the hashtag TheLandITrust, all one word. While you're there, be sure to check out the episode artwork that features original illustrations and animations from all of our storytellers by Monique Ray. You can also check out more stories from our past three seasons of The Land I Trust. <laughs>